Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The darkness doesn't win, does it? Would you guys stand up with me? If you'd open up your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We're going to heed to the words of Peter this morning that we know is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You guys look so beautiful this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're glad that you're here. I'm sure you look beautiful as well. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Amen? Yeah, we're no longer who we were. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Speak to us today, we pray. Let your Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts and make us more like you every day, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone says, amen, amen. amen. Wave at your neighbor as you sit down. Let them know you're glad to see here, especially if they're your spouse. It's always good to be on good terms with your spouse. We learned that last week. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. However you're tuning in, we appreciate you. You know, this morning we're going to talk about confidence, and we're going to talk about how we came from the darkness to the light. Do I have some people in here that, that came from the darkness to the light? You were lost in the world, and now Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm talking to some people that know that. And I want to encourage you this morning with confidence. And why would we need confidence? Well, in the shaky world and the unstable world that we live in, we need some confidence. Amen. If I'm over in Ukraine right now and I'm one of the moms that's in the basement holding my baby, hoping I can make it to a pharmacy, I need some confidence that there's a Savior out there. Amen. If I'm taking that gun and I'm trying to defend my country and doing things like that, I need some confidence. I need some confidence in my Lord and Savior, and I know that you guys have that, and we appreciate everything that's been happening, and I am talking super loud, but that's okay. When we're talking here, we're coming from the position of understanding that our, our eyes were dim to the things of the world. We were in a place where we couldn't see what Christ wanted us to see, but that moment that we came into salvation... Oh my, oh my Lord, right? That moment our eyes began to be illuminated and we went from darkness to light. It was that decision to chase and to follow Him. And that confidence working within us that He still wants to do what He's doing. Many times what happens, as my friend and I were talking the other day, what happens is God has put it on our hearts what to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? The Holy Spirit speaks to you. But something happens and clicks before it gets to your head and you lose your confidence in what God is trying to tell you to do. It doesn't mean that he stops trying to tell you. It doesn't mean that he says to, to not do it anymore. Rather, it's that confidence that I've got to put one foot in front of the other and do what Christ has told me to do. Why? Because I no longer live in the darkness. I've been pulled to the marvelous light. And in the world that we live in that's shaky and stable, here we're, we're hearing from Peter, and Peter knows what he's talking about. This book is, this letter is uh, believed to be written around 64 to 60 AD in that, in that neighborhood. There was a guy named Nero that was leading Rome, and he was doing crazy stuff, and y'all have got, heard, the, heard the stories. He's, he's taking uh, uh, Christians and lighting them on fire and using them as human torches at night. The city begins to burn, and he has to have an scapegoat, so he blames it on the Christians. 
Christians. All kinds of persecution is happening at this point. He's taking Christians and throwing them into arenas with animals and seeing them torn apart. And it's a guy who's crazy and wants to take over the world who's shedding innocent blood. Does that sound familiar? So what we're reading about today is what we need to hear. I know that it was written over 2,000 years ago, but the Bible is relevant, amen? And Peter is writing from his experience and he's reminding his Jewish people. He's saying, listen, you're no longer what you used to be. You have the confidence in Jesus Christ that he has made you a royal nation. He has made you a priesthood. He has made you a holy nation, a a people that's for his possession. That means we are no longer our own. We don't get to chase our own desires and do what we so desire. But we have a God that we serve and we do what he says, amen? And that's the confidence because we know that what he says to do is where we need to go. It's not always fun, amen? In the first part of chapter, in the the first uh, part of the book here in chapter one, he says some things that helps us prepare ourselves for chapter two. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the first three verses here in a second of chapter two because Peter tells us what we can do to make sure that we stay in that light and we truly walk in the light. But in, in, in chapter 1 of, of 1 Peter, it's, it's important to know that he sets some groundwork. And he begins to say, listen, he's talking primarily to a Jewish audience. And we know that because he makes some references to about Jews. He says, listen, when you're with Gentiles, don't be like them. you got to live above. To us, what that means is whenever we're out in a sinful world, we don't need to live like sinners. Can I get an amen? Yeah. There's some things that we don't, we don't need to do. We, we dress decent and go to honorable places, amen? We shouldn't have to ask that question. And here Peter is talking to him and he's saying, listen, you're no longer who you were. God has put a new heart in you. He's put a new standard of living on your life. He's, he's, there's, we have this living hope named Jesus Christ that we follow. He continues and says, listen, you've got to be sober and be alert. Don't conform to this world. What he's saying is don't go back to your ignorance. Don't go back to being lost because we're found. And he's pleading with his friends. And he even pleads to him at, to this point in chapter 1 where he says, listen, you've got to live like a foreigner. Because we were bought with the price. And it was not with perishable things that we store in bank accounts, amen. It's not things that we store in cabinets or things that we hide. But it was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So, so what he's calling us to live to, the calling that he's putting on our life, is above what we can do, but it's through Christ that we can. And I love Peter here as he talks about the last part of chapter 1. And he talks about, hey, listen, people are like grass. They fade away and they die. People's glory is like flowers. They fade away. And I love that because what is he saying? He's saying, listen, life is short. We better live like we need to live. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going on. So we live like God has called us to live. Vincent Lombardi said this, confidence is contagious and so is a lack of confidence. And we as Christians live with a confidence in our life that we have been pulled from the darkness to the light and we want it to be contagious, amen? We want to have that confidence that people get around us and know that something different's in our life, that this thing with Christ, that this walk that we have is extremely well, is extremely well that, that it changes everything about us and that's okay, Amen. It's okay, it changes how we think and how we view the world. It changes some stuff. And Peter's talking and he says, listen, you cannot go back to where you were because you were once in darkness and now you are in light. And we want that contagious confidence, amen? We want to build that up in other people. Thomas Edison was working his thousandth time on the light bulb. 
And he called one of his young men and he said, hey, I want you to take this light bulb from this position of the room and come over here and put it in and we're going to see, it's gonna, we'll see if it's going to work. That young apprentice didn't really know what he was doing and on his way over, of course, you know, he's nervous and he drops the bulb and it breaks. Two days later, it takes him about a day to construct a light bulb and the next day he calls that young man and he says, I want you to take this light bulb that I've rebuilt and bring it over there. And of course, everybody in the room is like, are you crazy, dude? Of course, you don't tell that to Thomas Edison. My dear sir, you know, like, are you sure you want this same guy? And he goes, oh yeah. He goes, it only takes me a day to rebuild a bulb, but he might lose his confidence forever. And see, that's for us. We want to build people's confidence because that confidence we want to last forever. So let the confidence of Christ. Listen, I don't know what God is speaking to you about, what he's written on your heart, but you don't give up. Don't get caught on where you should be or, or past mistakes. Listen, we all have regrets, amen? And that's a tactic from Satan to keep us paralyzed in the position that we're in. And Christ wants us to move forward so we don't look at those things behind us. Instead, we say, I've learned from those things and I'm going forward and becoming something different, amen? Because I have the confidence of Christ in me. And we see this in this scripture we see this in the scripture, I love it. He says, listen, you don't have an ordinary vocation. He says, you have a royal priesthood now. He says, you're no longer a part of the secular nation. You're now a part of a holy nation. He said, you're no longer, listen, when Christ died, we are no longer the enemy's possession, amen? We no longer belong to ourselves or belong to the world, but we have a Father in heaven in which we belong to, amen? Bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm about to get happy. I'm about to get happy. We no longer proclaim ourselves or ideologies or policies or procedures. Now listen, those are important. But what we proclaim the most of is Christ. And if we're truly living for Christ, if we're truly doing those things for Christ, we don't need the law as much as we think we need the law, amen? Yeah, I understand it restrains evil. There's, there's the, the most important thing about government right now is it's restraining evil. Think about whenever Jesus returns in the tribulation and there's no form of government and, and, and evil's released. I don't want to be a part of that, amen? But as a Christian, we can push ourselves from back from that because we're trying to live like Christ. And then obviously in the end, we are no longer in darkness, but we're in the marvelous light. That almost too good to be true news, amen, that we have a Savior that loves us and we're no longer like we were. And it's less and less about what I know and it's more and more about who I know, amen. It's less and less about what I know and it's more and more about who I know. And Peter knows Christ. He's walked with him. He's given his life to him. He's seeing his Christians, I mean, it, it, just seeing, understanding where Peter's coming from and seeing his position about what he, what's, what's going through and just the trauma that no doubt he's faced because he knows people who has died for the glorious cause of Christ. He knows that type of stuff and he's, he knows he still has to write and preach. And can you imagine writing to a town or writing to a people in which they have encountered some great, crazy persecution and still saying, listen, you gotta remember, Christ is still in control. It can be so hard. And I don't know your situation, but just remember Christ is still in control. Peter helps us out in the first three verses. How do we stay in the light? How do we make sure that we're there? Because I want to build our confidence this morning. I want to build your confidence and my confidence in Christ. Amen. 
And Paul is saying, or Peter is saying here, listen, you're a royal nation. I don't think he's coming up to these people and saying, listen, don't go back and be what you were in a negative sense. You need to be this and you need to be that and you need to try to live like that. So many times we can preach like that if we're not careful. I think Peter is taking a different position because of what's going on in the world. Instead, he's reminding them that, listen, you are no longer who you were. But with that comes confidence that if God takes you through a situation, he's gonna continue to walk and you will not be alone because you're no longer a secular nation, you're a holy nation. You're no longer by yourself, but you walk with Christ. And he helps us come up with some ideals here. The first thing here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, we see he says, So put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all the slander. Think about who he's talking to with me. Take this journey. He's not talking to a bunch of heathen. Now, whenever Paul talks, he's usually talking to a bunch of heathen, okay? He's talking about sexual sins and debauchery and drunkenness and gambling and greed, all kinds of crazy stuff. But Peter here, the words that he's talking about is malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy. Some things that people in the church get really good at. Come on now. I'm going to let that sink in. It had to sink in. I had to pray through before I even said that. Because I'd be in the church. That means I can be really good at it too. And he, 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 it, just, it just caught me off guard in a way. I thought, man, he's using some very strong language that... That talking to people in, in the deal. And he goes, listen, so you need to put away this stuff. You have Christ in your life, but you're still reaching for the familiar. Isn't that funny how we get in tight positions and we reach for what's familiar? So put away all. That's incredibly a great phrase there because in, in the Greek, we, can, we understand that it means separation or departure. So to put away means I actually leave one and go to another. Does that make sense? I depart from it. I separate myself. But it also has a, has a connotation of posture there that, that whenever I put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander and all these things that I know are destructive, that I do it in a way that I bow before Christ and I commit myself to him and I give it to him because he already knows that we struggle with it. And it's something that we have to be willing to release. See, these provide us with so many excuses to do things we don't need to do, don't they? When I was moving into our house a couple years ago, and we moved into our new house, does anybody else have a garage full of stuff that you really don't need? It's like one guy said, you got $10 worth of stuff in your garage, and you got a $20,000 car outside of your garage. <laughs> does it make sense? If you open up my garage door, you're going to see some stuff. Now, I can tell you where it's at. Okay, if you go in my garage, I can tell you this is in that box. Hey, don't look in that box, you know. That's probably nothing but garbage anyways. We got all this stuff in there. That's not the put away that he's talking about. It's not the put away where we go into a cupboard and we open it up and we know where the sugar and the flour is. This is saying, listen, we got it apart. We got to move it away. We, we got to get away from it, so move it away. Malice is that wickedness. And here's Peter now. This is, this is incredibly important. Like you take malice or intention to do evil. Okay, and Peter's writing this out of experience. You remember that journey that he's on in Luke chapter nine where he, they just leave a Samaritan village and they reject Jesus? Don't, don't we see some people in the world rejecting Jesus right now? Kind of makes you angry, doesn't it? And he looks at Jesus and he goes, let's go firebomb the city, man. Let's rain down brimstone and fire. Love it. Jesus turns around and says, you don't know what spirit you're in. The son of man, I didn't come to destroy life, but I came to give life. Now, before we quickly judge Peter, Every one of us in here, every red-blooded Christian America at one point has said, I'll take care of those oligarchies in Russia. 
Come on now. And we get, we, we get that evil intent. I'm not saying you shouldn't protect. I'm should, not saying you shouldn't do that. But it's hard to defeat, defeat a spirit when you're walking in that spirit. Okay? Now, we move on to deceit. You know, deceit, a good way to think of deceit is a decoy. If you're into hunting, you understand decoys. If, if you're not, go study decoys. It'll make a lot of sense, okay? Hypocrisy. <laughs> Hypocrisy. We know that because the church is known. I don't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, join us. Join us then, okay? Because you're a hypocrite at home. Come join us, okay? Envy. Envy. Jealous. Envy's dangerous. The reason why envy is so dangerous is because envy means we're pushed by jealousy, and this is the camouflage behind that. You could be doing something really good like trying to get your family to a better financial place or maybe trying to increase something or trying to become smarter. But what envy does is it changes your motives for why you're doing it. You're no longer doing it because that's what God said to do. You're doing it to keep up with somebody or you're doing it to have some kind of appearance. Does that make sense? Or you're doing it because you're angry at somebody or you're mad. And we get good at that sometimes, don't we? And slander. I'm sure nobody in here has ever gossiped. We feel, the, we feel the dagger, okay? And we see that backbiting, and, and it's interesting that he takes this, but he's saying, listen, this stuff you gotta put away. And listen, all of us, all of us in the room, all of us behind the camera, all of us have to go before God and bow down one knee and set this stuff before him because it's easy to go back to where we came from. William Howlett was just, he's a literary genius, and he says this, he says, as is our confidence, so is our capacity. As my confidence grows, I find out that my capacity grows. For what God wants to do in my life, it grows as my confidence in him grows because I know I no longer have to look at myself. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, it's, it, it, Paul is right and he goes, listen, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. See, whenever we begin to rely on malice and envy and all these things that we don't need to, we swap places with God and say, vengeance is mine, God. Because I'm going to handle this situation in my way, the way that I think it needs to be handled. And I forget, I pull it off the shelf instead of keeping it put away, instead of keeping myself separate from it. And my capacity begins to get smaller and smaller. Now the Holy Spirit can't flow through my life because I've built up walls and dams. And God wants it to be a mighty rushing river, amen, of love and grace and goodness and the power of God. But whenever I begin to do it my way and rely on those things that I should have put away, ugh, I begin to build those walls and those dams. And I don't know what your journey is. I don't know what deliverance you may need. I don't know what hope is beginning to stir in your life or healing. Maybe you're in that place where you just need a soundness of mind. You got so much stuff going on and anxiety and depression and you just need soundness of mind. Or maybe you're just in that situation where, God, I just need wisdom from you. I need a word. Could you speak to me? But this is what I know. The longest journey begins with the shortest step. And whatever I need to put away, I begin to put away with that. We have a van ministry here at Ray Hope, and many of you are familiar with it. I happened to be driving it the other night. I don't drive it, drive it every Wednesday night. We have some wonderful people who help. We have a, 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 uh, just a team of people who really help us out. But on this particular night, I was driving. I was sitting in the parking lot, and I was one of my next to my last stops. And we're coming to church, and it's, the student is just in less than a stellar situation. Very, very difficult. And he's been in our youth group and out of our youth group. He had to move away. And then I will say this, as soon as he moved back, one of the first phone calls he made, he said, I want to go back to Ray Hope. Can y'all come pick me up? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Tanner does a great job on the team. 
But he's sitting there and all of a sudden just a, a, a Christian song comes on, Another in the Fire. You guys know that, we sing that in here, Standing Next to Me. And, and internally, like I am right now, where I kind of get a little bit rattled, it just hits me. Because you guys know how it feels. Am I making a difference? Is what we're doing making a change? Man, you know, have you guys ever been there? And, and all of a sudden, this song begins to play from his cell phone. Which, if you would have heard many of the songs playing from their cell phones, another in the fire was not on the top ten. <laughs> and I say, turn it up, man. Let's, let's listen to it, you know. And he's cranking it up. And, and I'm just so surprised because he knows where to find it and everything. And I begin to probe him a little bit. And I said, hey, where'd you learn that song? I said, did you learn it from here at youth? He goes, oh, yeah, hands down. This is where I got the song from. Probed a little bit further. I said, what does it mean to you? He said, it means that I'm not alone. I don't know where you're at, but the theology of an eighth grader, you're not alone. I don't know what fire you need the Lord to hold back. I don't know what water you need him to hold back when it comes in like a flood. I don't know what forgiveness you need or grace you need or goodness you need or mercy. But what I do know, there's another one with you. And that's our confidence and that's our hope. So whatever you need to put up, put it up. And don't return to it and say, God, I don't want to go back. In this process, we see something else that Peter really helps us understand, though. It's not just enough to put it back. We've got to keep it and want it back. See, we've got to stay hungry to be in the will of God. We've got to stay hungry to be used by the Spirit. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn infants longing for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Isn't that good news that we're all trying to grow up anyhow? Next time, you're, next time your person looks at you, you say, just grow up, say, baby, we're all trying to grow up together. I get that quite a bit sometimes. Just grow up. Well, I just, I don't feel like it yet, you know? Like, are you sure it's, I'm 30 now, are you sure it's time? Like I still, you know? I don't know, kind of, you know? I don't see anything in theology. No, I'm just playing. Like newborn infants longing for a pure spiritual milk, Infants can, can long for the milk that their mother produces for years. It's believed that Paul, before he really began to preach, he may have studied up to three years up underneath people trying to get to where he needed to get. Peter walked with Christ through the three years before he was crucified and he rose from the dead. But yet Peter, Paul, you name the prophet, they didn't stop longing for the pure milk. What is the pure milk? It's the truth of Jesus Christ. We stay hungry for the righteousness of Christ. We stay hungry for that. And this is what I know, what you're hungry, you'll eat. What you're hungry, you'll eat. Paul mentions in, in chapter 12 of, of uh, Romans chapter 12, verse two, uh, the, do not be conformed to this world. This is how the NIV puts it. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he goes on. But what he clues us into is something very, very important. That it's funny how the world's pattern has a tendency to pull us in, doesn't it? There's, there's, there's this gravitational pull. Let's get really real here. We're all family. There's this gravitational pull sometimes to sin. The Bible addresses it and says it's good for a season. 
There's something that just kind of draws us in and it's patterns that we want to conform our life to. And I believe that's the reason why Peter goes back and says, listen, malice and envy and all that type of stuff that you feel like reaching up and putting back into your life, listen, that's a trick of the enemy. It's going back to the world and we are no longer in darkness, but we're in light. Paul says the same thing, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but let's be transformed. Because he, he, he takes time to write it on our hearts. What's on your heart was put there by Christ. But sometimes, like I said, it gets messed up in our mind. For a million different reasons, we don't think we're worthy. I haven't had the right education. Are you sure? Why did you pick me? And we, we come up with all these reasonings. And the only reason that we need is Jesus Christ is enough. My confidence is in him and what he's completed on the cross of Calvary. So whatever you're longing for, sometimes your flesh gets weak. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is fixing to go to the cross and it's a very famous story, very famous storyline. And he asks his disciples to pray. Then he goes back out to his disciples and what are they doing? They're sleeping. It's nap time. And he says this line, he says, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Your heart's in the right spot, but you haven't got the confidence to put your flesh into order yet. You, you forgot, I guess if Peter was talking to him at that point, maybe he would have said, you've forgotten that we're a holy nation, that we're a royal priesthood, amen? We, we've, some things have changed because Christ has come into our life. And we all fall into that category. Paul puts it like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Our confidence is in Christ and it's towards God. Why? Because he's written something on our hearts. Amen where I thought it was okay to be in darkness, I now no longer can stand the darkness. One of the things that I hate is dark. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that can, I, I was, I'm 39 now, I was probably 36 years old, and I, it still freaks me out, going out into like big old cow pastures and trees and stuff in the middle of the night and seeing coyotes whoop and holler and all that other stuff. Does anybody love that kind of stuff? You're my heroes, not me. Man, I cannot wait to get out of that, you know? I think every axe murderer on the planet is hidden right there in the middle of Stevens County, and I can't wait to get out of there, you know? I do not like the darkness. Well, the truth is, that's how we should be as Christians too, amen? The moment we feel something coming up and we start pulling something off the shelf that we should have left there and gotten rid of and burned, that's the reason why we go through that refiner's fire, amen? It burns that stuff out of our life. But how do we build confidence? And I think here's some keys. I think you have to have a structure of authority in your life. If you want to really build confidence in your life, the people who have strong confidence in their life, not arrogance, but confidence, have a system of authority. They go to people and check stuff out. And they ask them, what do you think? People out here that don't submit to any kind of authority as far as police officers or government or anything like that, they don't have confidence because as soon as, as, soon as the bullets start flying, they're the first one to crawl up underneath the hidey hole. Come on now. They don't have confidence. Authority's huge. Education, get educated on what God is leading you to. Get educated on scripture. Doesn't mean you have to go back to college, but let God, let the Holy Spirit teach you what kind of positive influences people who are really serious about building that confidence in their life, they always seem to have godly influences. Some of the stuff on social media and music and entertainment, man, that stuff needs to be thrown away, amen? Not all of it's bad, 
But it's hard to be positive when all you're letting in is negative. You get tired of that war. Tard. Can you tell I'm from Oklahoma? We get tired around here. Tired. You're tired. Don't compare yourself to people. Stop comparing yourself. That's horrible too. That never builds confidence. Be realistic. Oh, don't live in a non-realistic land. I know some people that just live in la-la land all the time. I'm like, you know, la-la land didn't even exist, right? Like you're still in reality. You're just not acting like you are. <laughs> Be, okay, yeah, and you know that person too, but don't look at them. Don't, straightforward, I got you, straightforward. Okay, you can go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, you kind of look stable. <laughs> don't compare yourself be realistic listen it's about what I can change today listen I've already made no mistakes in the past I just got through with Pastor Mike and he goes listen that was last time this is this time let's go on forward and do what, do what we need to do I can only live in the moment I'm not talking about selfishly but I can change now I can walk to my TV and turn the filth off. I can walk to the radio and turn the filth off. I can shut my cell phone down now and turn the filth off. Yeah, I can't change it from last week, and that was a mistake, but I can change it today, amen? And we can too. We live realistically, and we live in the present. We live in the present. We live now. We stay hungry for the presence of God. Peter continues on, and this is where we're, we're right now. We're landing the bird here. Third point here, stand tall. Peter's saying, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And he brings them to a point of decision, a point of self-challenge. He's asking them to stand tall. This should do something within us whenever we're asked, well, haven't you tasted if the Lord is good? We should say, yeah, I can remember great things that he's done. And you're like, oh, yeah, I gotta remember that. Amen. And that's what he's bringing them to. He goes, truthfully, if you tasted, now listen, if you haven't tasted the Lord is good, you're not saved, and you need to repent and come into the kingdom of God, and we can't wait for you, amen? Because those who believe in Christ taste that he's good and knows, and our life changes from that. But you've got to stand tall when it seems like it's so difficult. Anybody who knows football knows that a quarterback who is always hunched over or getting sacked every time can't do a whole lot with the, with the football, can they? But whenever they're back in the pocket and they stand tall and they can start delivering the football to the wide receivers, even though they know they're going to get hit, even though they know that people on the defensive side of the ball, it's their job to come and sack them and hurt them and hit them. But they still have to stand tall and deliver the football like they need to deliver. I don't know what's looking at you in the face. I don't know what looks scary and cannot wait to land you on your backside or break your arm or do whatever it is and knock the stuffing out of you. But you have to stand tall in the pocket. You have to stand tall. Yes, I've tasted that the Lord is good. I will remember what he's done. And when it brings me to this point where I don't know what to do, if nothing else, I will remember what he has done. My wife is sharing a story. Of course, she, she's an educator. And she was relating this story to me about one of the uh, Ukrainian teachers and the teacher has tears running down her face as she's getting her weapon and going into battle a couple weeks ago she was just teaching a class but it was her time to call to stand tall you think of all the people who worked in department stores and grocery stores who weren't part of the military now all of a sudden they're enlisted into the military and they're trying their best to stand tall in the face of something that's very scary, in the face of something that's unstable and uncertain, yet they stand tall. 
And you and I must stand tall, and I don't know what you need to confront. It may very well be sin in your life, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it's a sickness or illness that we had nothing to do with. Sometimes it's financial situations that we had nothing to do with, yet you're looking at it in the face, saying, I will stand tall because my confidence is not what I have in the bank account. My confidence is not what I have inside of me, except for Jesus Christ. That's where I get my confidence. So I want to encourage you, I don't know what you need to look in the eye, but you continue to stand tall. Yeah, you made some past mistakes. Welcome to the party. We all have. Well, I don't know if God can use me. I don't know if I want to be used because of this. Hey, listen, I'm not taking it back off the shelf and thumbing through it. God's forgiven me. I've departed from it. I'm not going to use those old feelings, those old desires, and I'm going to walk where God has told me to walk. But you've always got to confront some of those things. And then once you get that taste, though, hear me out. Once you get that taste, you'll never back out. You guys remember the ice storm? Of course you do remember. It was last week, the ice storm that we had. You remember, I think the ice storm came in on a Thursday, right? Something like that. I think I was out on the boat with my dad on Monday jug lining. I love to catch catfish, and they taste really good too. So it's a double whammy, right? So we're out on the boat, and it's beautiful. It's like 75 degrees, no wind. Oh. And I cannot wait for spring to get there. I tasted spring again, and it was nice. Sun was out. almost got a sunburn. It was great. And then the ice storm came. And you know what the ice storm made me realize? I'm ready for spring. <laughs> I, I had tasted the good weather. I had tasted the fun. I had tasted the calm. And I wasn't ready to go back to winter. That's perfectly natural in the spiritual world. Congratulations. You've got some of those old things welling up inside of you. You've got some new scary things that you're trying to tackle, that you're trying to do. And you're like, Pastor Matt, I don't ever want to go back. Congratulations. <laughs> That's because you've tasted the Lord and you know that that old life of darkness is not for you. Those old life of dark emotions and dark thinking, nah, that's no longer who I am. This is who I am. So when I reach for that and the Lord slaps my hand, I'm not going to be surprised by it. I'm going to thank him instead. When I reach for that and I get a little bit maybe tougher correction, thank you, Lord, because I'm no longer who I was. I'm going to respond to who you want me to be. Would you bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.